Christ my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. You were the Word at the beginning. And one with God. beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you great, your love was greater, oh, what could separate us now, and what a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ my King, and what a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. Oh, now death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silence the boast of sin and grace. Heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. Now you have no rival, and you have no What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. 
What a powerful name it is Oh, nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus Amen. We just want to welcome you this morning. So glad that we serve a God whose name is powerful enough to overcome the grave. Let's put it in the key of C. Let's sing that song, Do You Want to Know Where I'm Going? Before we sing it, I have one little request, okay? There's a little part in here, and I love it when we do it. So those of you who know the little echo part in it, sing that out for me. I just, I love hearing that part. So, now do you want to know, oh, where I'm going, oh, where I'm Yonder, I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. 
yonder. Yes, I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. One more time. Oh, now we're going up yonder. Yes, we're going up yonder. We're going up to yonder to be with our Lord. Yes, now we're going up to yonder. We're going up to yonder. We're going up to yonder. To be with our Lord. The move is on, my Lord. The move is on. The move is on, my Lord. The move is on. Oh, I can hear the rustle of the mulberry trees. And I know, I know, I know. The move is on. So now. And move on, sister, oh, this is the moving day. And move a little closer, where the streams are flowing, oh, move on, brother, move on. The move is on, my Lord, the move is on. On, my Lord, the move is on. And I can hear the rustle of the mulberry trees And I know, I know, I know the movie's on So now move on, brother, and move on, sister This is the movie day And move a little closer where the streams are flowing So move on, brother, move on. So now move on, brother, and move on, sister. This is the moving day. And move a little closer where the streams are flowing. So move on, brother, move on where the streams So now move a little closer and where the streams are flowing so move on brother move on Amen Oh well some glad morning when this life is over I'll fly away and to our home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Oh, now I'll fly away. Oh, glory, I'll fly away. Oh, I'll not die. Hallelujah, by and by. Oh, now fly away. 
we'll go ahead and change the word of our service. And uh, let's sing that song, Because He Lives. We'll sing that before we take our uh, needs before the Lord. Because He lives, oh, I can face face our problems and needs because he lives. And if you musicians would just continue to play something softly, you may have your seats for just a moment. And after I finish reading these, if I could have uh, Brother Mark come and pray over these needs. We just want to uh, remember uh, Brother Joseph Drum. Uh, he uh, hurt his back and is not with us. So if we could just remember him in our prayers. I also have here to continue to remember Brother Danny Florian. He's slowly recovering and uh, making progress, but if we could just remember him. Also, we have the male family who is not with us, so if we could just remember them. And I also have here that uh, Sister Karen Morlier, uh, or from Karen Morlier, uh, her daughter Carrie is in the hospital, so we just want to remember her. Also, I have here from Brother Alan Gunter that several family members um, are sick with COVID. So if we could just remember them, that uh, the Lord would touch them. And uh, also, if we could just continue to remember Sister Skaggs, uh, who is improving. But if we could just continue to remember her. Also, the Whitlocks are not here with us today. Uh, Brother David is having to work. So if we could just remember them. And also, uh, if we could uh, continue to remember Sister Mary Smith uh, and that need there. And uh, also, I have Sister Sharon McCafferty's mother, if we could just remember her in prayer. And also, uh, Brother Mike Holloway, uh, if we could just remember to continue to pray for him and his heart valve. Uh, he's slowly getting better, but if we could just remember him in prayer. And uh, I know we all have unspoken needs still, so if we could just lift our hands, the Lord knows those needs. 
Brother Mark, if you would just come at this time and if you would stand. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, it's a, always a privilege, Lord, to be in your house, Father. And we thank you for the liberty we feel this morning, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth, Father. We thank you, Lord, for the, the joy that you give us in our hearts, Father, to come and serve you, Lord. It's it's a privilege that the, the world knows nothing about, Lord, and and surely, Lord, they can't know until they partake of it, Father. For you said in your word, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, Lord, we've tasted of that, Lord, and it's good. That's what keeps us coming back day after day, Lord. Because, Lord, we, we want more of you. And I pray today, Lord, would be no exception, Lord, that we'll get, Lord, that which you have for us, Lord, that would help us to be children of God, Lord, that you could look at and that you're pleased with our lives. I pray, Lord, and thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Just want to say, Lord, we love you, Lord, and we pray that you will, Lord, just help us that our love for you would increase that day, every day, that, Lord, there will be nothing else between you and us, Father. Grant it, Father. Lord, there are many requests that was made mention, Lord. We pray that you will, every time we come, Lord, we have needs, Father. You did promise, Lord, that you would heal us, that you will answer our prayers, Lord, but you never said, Lord, that we would not encounter sickness and, 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 and tragedy and, and uh, perils and so on, Lord, but you did promise deliverance. So we come to you this morning, Lord, claiming through the atonement, Father, that you've provided everything, Lord, salvation and healing and health, Lord. We, we claim these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, these that was mentioned this morning, Lord, you know each one. We pray that you will touch them, Lord, the males and Sister Karen's daughter and the different ones that was mentioned, Father. We pray that you will touch them, Lord. Father, now as the word comes, Lord, we pray that you will be, Lord, with the speaker, Lord. No doubt, Lord, with his natural abilities, Lord, he could preach, Lord, and we would go away and say, that's good. But, Lord, we pray that you will come, Lord, and be the conductor, that you will dictate, Lord, what is said. You take control of every situation and everything and direct the words to our hearts, Lord, that we may, Lord, be better people, Father. Grant it, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord. Take control of everything we do and say. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark. You may have your seats. Let's put it in the key of C. I don't have any specials, so I figured... Before Brother Barry comes, we'd sing one or two. We have just a few minutes here. And I found this song. Uh, it's an older one, and my grandmother used to sing it to me when we were very little. And I hadn't heard it in a long time. It's Down From His Glory. Down from His glory Yeah. 
Brother Barry comes this morning. Let's sing that song, Holy Ground. For we are standing on that you have led us to this place. Led us, Lord, to this holy place. Now, Lord Jesus, we give you the rest of this service. We thank you, Lord, for your abiding presence here. But now, Lord, we depend upon you to come and breathe upon the word, to take it, Lord, and place it in every heart. Father, to quicken it and make it real and make it personal. Because, Lord, when we understand it, we will apply it much easier. Father, we want to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. I commit the people into your hands, Lord, today. I commit the needs. Lord, there are many, as long as we live in these bodies, Lord. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would take complete control. Lord, may nothing in our lives hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit today. But Lord, look at us through the blood that's been shed on our behalf. Have your way, Lord, we pray. 
We give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. One more time. Sounds really good. And we are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Let us pray. While you have your Bibles, if you don't mind, let's take a look. Proverbs chapter 18. God bless you this morning. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. Uh, it seems like moving the service 30 minutes didn't just didn't uh, have a negative effect. Uh, we're grateful for you making that change with us. Uh, just a reminder, uh, Sunday school starts at 1015. That'll be every week, every Sunday, uh, unless you hear from your Sunday school teacher. So we appreciate uh, our teachers today in the classes, I already got some uh, pictures and feedback from folks, and it was a wonderful turnout. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and obtaineth the favor, and that word favor in the Hebrew means delight. It's a delightful thing, obtains the delight of the Lord. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. We're also remembering Sister Soriano. Uh, She is, uh, we've been in contact with her every day. And uh, there's been a significant amount of help that's gone over, uh, financial help for the cost of uh, Brother Soriano's hospital stay. Uh, They're doing a memorial, and we're going to be recording today a little memorial that's going to be included in a multifaceted uh, memorial for Brother Soriano. Uh, They're going to have an in-house celebration of his life over there, and then they're also going to be doing an international one. And uh, I'll, I'll... send you those times just in case you wanted to latch on to it. It's actually going to go for several days, and uh, we're, they're collecting tributes from different parts of the world. And uh, it was uh, amazing, and uh, somebody said it already that it was just amazing the amount of influence that Brother Soriano had in his part of the world, but also had made good friends in many other parts of the world. And uh, we're certainly remembering Sister Soriano and the girls today, and uh, their church, uh, quite a large church there, and uh, without a pastor today, and uh, we certainly uh, feel for them and um, trust that the right things are uh, going to be done. Next Sunday is our men's meeting. We will have service here uh, next Sunday uh, morning, uh, as usual, uh, but it'll be the men's meeting, so a lot of our brothers will be gone, 
And uh, we would ask you folks that uh, who are still here, if you would remember that in prayer, that would be uh, wonderful. Just, I, I don't want to take much time this morning. Good to have Sister Caitlin here with us this morning and Hans, and uh, good to have you here. It's been a while, and uh, may God bless you all. Uh, we appreciate all of you being here today. This is, uh, when I came back from Ukraine, I had, uh, uh, this is a, a Portuguese church age book that's uh, on the dock in, in, actually in India, waiting to go. It's a reprint of the church age book in English. We have enough English copies for everybody if you didn't get one. Uh, this is part one and two of the Revelation series uh, in Swahili for the brothers over there. And uh, this is all 15 sermons that Brother Brandon preached in the Revelation series. This is the seven seals in Swahili uh, for the believers over there. They're pretty excited about that. And this is uh, the church age book in French for the believers in Haiti. And we're sending 10,000 into there. And we've got 12,000 Bibles as well to go with those. And uh, they're just really excited about that those uh, books are on the dock also in uh, in India and uh, ready to go and they'll be sailing there pretty soon they're all excited about uh, getting that material into their hands so uh, just wanted to share that with you I've got a I got a video clip that I want to send out uh, so that you can see it and uh, just trust that I'll be a blessing to you it's it's a whole bunch of people in the little uh, little church in Zambia that have got new Bibles first time they got their Bibles and they're they're uh, using him in church, and the brother got up and, and photographed from behind the pulpit and let everybody, uh, watching everybody with their new Bibles and pages sticking together and uh, reading them in their language for the first time. So it's just a real blessing to see that one. I'll send it to you. Uh, <clears throat> if you have not uh, listened to the service on Wednesday night, I'm going to encourage you to do it. Uh, we talked a little bit about this subject of the second most important decision in life. The most important decision in life that you will make is the decision to follow Christ and to serve Him. That is the most important thing. Everything else hinges on that decision, and whether it's a true decision or not, uh, it, it uh, influences the rest of your life, all the time that you will spend on the earth. Therefore, I think that that decision should be talked about a lot. I think the second most important decision based on Brother Branham's teaching is the decision or the choice of a spouse for you. Good to have the Meads with us today. Didn't, uh, didn't mention it there. Uh, it is the, the, the decision also that will affect your life in a great way. It is a decision that you can't go back on. So you have to get the decision right. You have to make uh, the, the very best decision that you can under the leadership of the Lord uh, because even marriage in the perfect will has its challenges. It's still a good thing. And I want to make sure that we underscore that, that the Bible says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And that's the way it should be. A little bit of heaven on earth and then throughout eternity. And like I said to you before, I can't imagine what it would be like not to spend eternity with my wife and with my family. Uh, that, that to me is uh, just something that's unthinkable. And so the decision that, and the leadership that you, uh, that you invite into your life to lead you to that person uh, is, a, is a really important thing, a really, really critical thing. So this morning I want to uh, continue the thought. On Wednesday night we talked about vows, and vows are very, very important to God. God watches over your vows. He is very mindful of what you promise Him. And so therefore, uh, the, the, I put the vow uh, question up front because that's where uh, relationships lead to when it comes to marriage. When we talk about 
uh, an interaction between a boy and a girl, it, it will eventually lead to a vow. And we want to be proactive now in making sure that young people understand what it means and how important it is coming to that place of making a vow. So my purpose this morning is to, number one, bring clarity to this issue. And I want to be sure that you understand what the Bible says about this important issue, what Brother Branham taught about this issue, and where I stand on this issue, and where this church stands on this issue, so that there's no, no cloudiness, no ambiguity at all. Uh, this is important, and I think it's important because we have multiple generations here and kids who need to know, parents who need to know. And so, therefore, we're preaching this for young people who are at a marrying age. We're preaching it also for younger kids who will eventually need to know. And then, thirdly, we're preaching, I'm preaching this for uh, the parents who are raising their kids uh, to live clean in a very dirty world. And so, therefore, we want you to know what the standards are. Uh, I'm going to refrain from putting a whole lot of my opinion in here because I want you to get it uh, from an absolute source. And uh, I, I think it's very important that uh, we get it straight. So let's just jump in. I'm going to be very direct. I'm not going to read all of these quotes that are on the screen here. I've got more than we can bear this morning. And uh, Lord willing, if we, are able, if we need to do it, we'll carry on. But I want to make sure that you get the basics here today. Now, Brother Manna makes this statement here, first of all, that I want to start with. And he says, in the message I have heard, but now I see, and this is the last month of his life on the earth, he said, we, as believers, and he's talking about believers, we believe his word emphatically. Say that with me. We believe his word emphatically. Believers believe. Believers don't impersonate. Believers are just not, you know, debating. Believers Believe his word. That's what we do. That's, that's, our, that's our calling card. That's our, the characteristic of believers is that we believe his word. What God says, that's what matters. What I think really doesn't. But what God says, that's what really matters. We believe the word was made flesh. We believe the word is made flesh by the vindication of his presence now to confirm his word. But the very important essence of this is that we believe his word emphatically. So I'm going to emphatically emphasize his word today because that's what we believe. Now, let me say this, and I, I want to say this very gently here, that uh, this generation that I, I'm, we're dealing with and we're talking about, the generation of the young people who are unmarried, uh, very often uh, they can be strangled by the fear, especially young girls can be strangled by the fear, oh, I'll never get married. And they can be caught up with that fear and that idea that, oh, you know, it'll never happen to me, it'll never happen to me. And I'd like, I'd like to let Brother Branham answer that question, and I'd like to let the Bible answer that question this morning, because I think it's a very important one. Uh, there, are, there are sometimes poor decisions that are made out of fear that it'll never happen to me. I believe that every one of us are put on the earth. We're predestinated to be here and I believe that uh, God says, that, like in Jeremiah chapter 29 and many other places, he said, I know the plans that I have for you. None of you are without a plan. You don't know it all yet, but none of you are without a plan. You're here for a purpose. You're here as a part of the body of Christ. You're needed. You're needful. And God understands that. So therefore, we want to pay attention to God's revelation of that plan. We want to pay attention to what God has in terms of our destiny on this earth because that obviously will indicate the destiny that we have uh, in the future. But I would say this also that when Brother Manham talks about this generation and he talks about this last generation that faces uh, you know, the very end, 
Uh, it is a generation that is farthest away from, uh, you know, the, the, the standards, say, of the early church. And uh, farther, we're far away from the life of William Branham, who was on the earth uh, for, for, you know, many years until 1965. And so there are, uh, there, there's a great and a rapid decline in anything moral or decent in our time to the point where it, it affects the, 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 uh, the entire population that's on the earth. It's not just, loca- it's not just uh, you know, a problem that we feel we face here in our church. It's not just a problem that we have in America. It's a problem all over the world. Uh, the dress, the lack of morality, the, uh, uh, you know, the in-your-face boldness that uh, is, is so rampant today, the disrespect, uh, a generation that's numb to anything that's moral or valuable or decent, and TV reflects it all. It is, uh, it is a culture where we are forced to accept the normalization of the perverted. And it's a shame that we live in that time. And it's a shame that uh, young people have to fight that. And I will say this, that, uh, you know, I thought I saw it all. You think you, uh, you know, you, you've experienced it all. And then you realize every day things get worse. And, and uh, churches fail to stand up and rise up against the abominations that are done uh, in, in our culture and in our world. Uh, there was a, somebody told me the other day that there was a, a churches in another state, in the state of Tennessee, uh, back excuse me, Baptist churches that were, uh, now they made a decision to install bowling alleys in the basement of their churches. And I mean, that's the discussion. That's kind of where they're at. And, uh, you know, the world just going to hell in a handbasket. And, uh, you know, we're debating about whether to put bowling alleys in the basement of our church. We've missed the point. And Brother Branham did everything he could to cry out against it. And I would say this, that, uh, you know, Brother Branham could stand and say at the end of the road, all I can do is all I can do. And that's all I can do. And I'm here to tell you this morning at HBT that all I can do is all I can do. And that's really all I can do. What you do in your life is your decision. What you do here will be influenced by my decision. Because otherwise, what have you got a pastor for? I'm a watchman. And so therefore, I want to make sure, and I want to be very clear, crystal clear this morning, that you understand where the boundary markers are. And when we live with inside those boundaries, it's not legalism, it's protection. And it affords the blessing of the Almighty. When we live within the confines of God's Word, then He can bless you. And He can pour out His favor upon you. When you choose to live outside the boundary markers, you're on your own. You're liable for anything that Satan can throw at you because you've removed yourself from the protection of the Holy Spirit. I would not want to be there today. I don't want you to be there today. And that's why I'm taking the time to do this today. Embarrassingly tedious as it is, and embarrassingly as often as I have spoken about this subject, I'm going to do it again so that you know clearly where the boundaries are. And I hope you don't mind. Don't run me off. I'll get, I'll get back on track here in a little bit. But just bear with me today. And I'm going to make an assumption. This is a foolish assumption. But I'm going to make an assumption that you've never heard this before. All right? I know most of you have. I know our young people who have attended their youth retreat over the years, you've heard this over and over almost every year for the last 30 years or so. But I'm going to do it again, making the assumption that you've never heard it before, trusting that somehow or another, maybe the way it's said or maybe some presentation of a scriptural concept or a quote will help maybe uh, stir you and, you know, stay with you over the years as you're making decisions. Because remember now, 
God puts these decisions early in life when you don't have years and years of experience and you don't have old age to be able to, uh, you know, uh, uh, help you make uh, really good uh, decisions and, and, and choices. God puts these decisions of family right up front in your life. And so, therefore, you need to use all the resources that God's given you and put in your path. Because you're going to need to make the right decision here. It's not something that we need to be fearful of, but it certainly is something we need to be mindful of. And you need to be careful about it. So here's Brother Branham now talking about this generation. And let me ramble just for a little bit here in the beginning. And then we're going to get down to three practical things that I want you to take with you uh, this morning. Brother Branham says in 1965, again, the whole human race is corrupted. Everything is like it was in the antediluvian time. In the antediluvian time, God could do nothing more but the people. He had warned them. He had told them. They knew, they knew what was right and what was, what was correct. He said, it's completely upset, turned around, and different from the straight row that God had planted mankind in. It's different now. It's, it's, it's gotten messed up from where God planted mankind. Now we find things messed up. He said, sin through science... And deception has twisted the whole human race, this generation of people. Now, science, we say, well, you know, you say, well, Brother Barry, we, you know, we, uh, we're, we're influenced by the message. Now, part of the problem is, is that science has created things like social media so that people are influenced not only by the message, but by what other people are doing in the message. And sometimes other people doing things is not always our best absolute. Let me remind you again, the absolute is the absolute, and there is no other absolute. An absolute means that there's no debate. Paul writes about this generation, and he says, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. In Acts chapter 20, therefore, like Paul writes, and I mentioned this on Wednesday night, Paul's job was, and Paul's job description, if you like, was, he said, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. He's talking about his own responsibility to declare unto the the people the, the whole counsel of God. But he's also telling the pastors that they need to uh, take the oversight. They need to make sure that the flock is protected and to feed the church of God, which is the purchase of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, therefore, that's a pretty clear job description. And that's why I'm here today and doing the things that I'm doing. Uh, I, I want to do my part here. Brother Branham says, now, what time are we living in and what's the age that we're living in? Judgment's at hand. In other words, that's what comes next. And you remember the revelation or the vision of the bride. Just keep her in step. Don't let her get out of step. You remember when Brother Branham saw the last day's bride and he had the vision and he saw that North American bride and he said, my goodness, is that what I've produced? Is that all that's been accomplished? Is to look at that bride worldly dress and behaving the way they were, singing the worldly music and dancing and so forth. And he thought, how, how disgusting that is to me, let alone how much disgusting that must be to God. Similar to when Samuel stood in front of Israel when they chose a king and they were pushing him to a, you know, appoint a king. And here's Samuel upset about it and God is in the background saying to Samuel, Samuel, listen, they've not only rejected you, but they've rejected me. And here's Brother Branham looking at the last day's church and he's looking at that and saying, my goodness, is that all I've accomplished? You can imagine what God must have said behind him. Hey, listen, if you feel bad, can you imagine how I must feel? 
after all of this. And he said, Brother Branham cried out in that, in that moment, in that vision. He said, stay in line, stay in line, when he saw that true bride getting off a little bit. And again, we live in a world that he's described. He said, as, uh, just like it was in the days of Noah, and just like, uh, you know, as corrupt as, as it is, and, uh, he said, just not planted, not staying in the straight row that God had planted mankind in. In other words, God had a, had a design. God had a way. God had a pattern. And men have gone away from that pattern. So he said, just keep her in step and don't let her get out of step. So this is my, uh, as a pastor, I think every pastor has, uh, you know, a yearning in his heart to make sure that his church, his, his, the people under his sphere of influence are, are standing in step and in line and in harmony and in tune with the word of God so they might be able to, uh, make it through the gates. Where is thy strength gone, Samson? Brother Branham says, now where the church started its flirting was when it began to try to pattern after the things of the world and to see the successes that the world can offer. How big can a church get? How much money can a church accumulate? How many, uh, you know, how many TV stations can a church be on? And they began to flirt with the world. He says, but we have never been ordained of God to try to keep in step with the world. And everybody said... We've never been ordained of God to try to keep in step with the world. We've never been asked or commanded to copy after them and do like they're doing. Never been asked to do that. We've been asked to copy only one thing. We've been asked to only stay in line with one thing, and that is the word of the hour. That is the Bible and the word of the hour, the light that God has given to us in this last day. That's the only thing that we are ordained of God to stay in line with is with God's word. So therefore, it's important for us to make sure that as ministers especially, but you individually, that you do not remove the ancient landmark. The ancient landmark which thy fathers have set has been placed there for a reason. In other words, the foundations upon which we sit today have been carefully laid by God through the ages so that we accumulate the structure to a place of uh, duration. It'll, it'll endure through the storms of life. It'll endure uh, Laodicea. It'll endure all the worldliness the world can throw at it. It'll endure all the storms that Satan would try to thrust at it. And when you remove the ancient landmarks, then you're adrift like the rest of the world. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what's right and what's wrong. Many of them don't even know what gender they are. But thank God for ancient landmarks. How many are glad for ancient landmarks? And the Bible says, remove them not. That word remove in the Hebrew, it refers to the English word backslide. It means that when you begin to move the ancient landmarks, you're really backsliding to do that. And the ancient landmarks in, this, in the description in the Hebrew language means forever, ever, everlasting, evermore, always everlasting, indefinite, and unending. Anybody unclear? Ancient landmarks means that they're there and they're meant to remain there until God removes them. If God inspired landmarks, if God inspired uh, pillars upon which we stand, they remain forever until God changes them. I believe in heaven we won't need to have, uh, you know, reminders about standards because we'll be living in a place without Satan. I believe we'll live by the word, but I don't believe we'll need to have correction when it comes to standards or warnings because we'll be in a place where Satan doesn't exist, right? That'll be glorious over there. But until then, you know what? I'm thankful for landmarks that guide us and let us know where we are along the path. Let me ask you a question here. How many of you have been in a family or been related to a family or have come from a family? Let's see your hands. Hey, listen. If every one of you then have raised your hands, and I hope you have. If you haven't, you should leave now. 
But if every one of you have come from a family, come from a relationship between a man and a woman, Satan knows that everybody goes down this path. Everybody goes down this path. Everybody's involved in family or marriage or relationships and all of that. Everybody's involved. If you know that everybody's going to pass by a certain place, isn't that the place to put your traps? Isn't that the place to put your landmines if you're an enemy? Sure it is. If everybody goes down the same road, everybody eventually trods the same path, you're going to put landmines, you're going to put bombs, you're going to put uh, hazards along that way and traps for people to fall into. And that's what Satan does. Thank God for the ancient landmarks so that we can know along the way whether we're still following the right path and, and to be checked so that we know exactly what we're doing. All right, stay with me. I'm still preambling here. In the choosing of a bride, 1965, and again, here's Brother Branham focused on the subject, and he says, now it's a serious thing when we go to choose a wife, a man, for the vows here is until death do we part. It is important because of the vow. The vow, remember now, is what God's watching. He's watching when you come to that vow because you can't back out of that. And that's how we should keep it. That's how we should keep it. Doesn't matter how bad it gets. Doesn't matter how loose things get. Doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. That's how we should keep it. A man in his right mind, planning a future, he should choose that wife very careful. And a woman, same thing. Accepting the choice of a husband should be real careful what she's doing, especially in these days. Why? Again, because this generation is a very corrupt one. And people coming out of the world are generally a mess. Now, I have a soft spot for people coming out of the world who are a mess because I did. And I know what it's like to have a history and, you know, all the other background. And if you don't know my story, you're welcome to know my story. Uh, it's, it's readily available. But I will tell you what. Because, and extremely important here, because people come out of the world a mess with a history and all messed up, uh, you know, with all kinds of background and, and baggage on them, it's more critical for them to have a clear-cut experience with God that separates them from their past and from the filthy world they came out of. It's more important for them to have that. And we need to do everything we can in this church to be able to create an atmosphere when sinners come in here, they can have a relationship with God and it not be confusing. I, I'm not here for the church. I'm not here for the girl. I'm not here for the boy. I'm here because of Christ. And that's what we want to have. That's what we want to see. So today, we lead the world in America in divorce cases. And the reason is because men and women has gotten away from God. And if a man and woman prayed over the matter, not just looking at a pretty set of eyes or strong shoulders, some other worldly affection, but would first look to God and say, God, is this your plan? Say it with me. God, is this your plan? I will tell you what, and I want to, well, let's, let's say this right up front. God's plan is never going to be contrary to his word. It would be illogical and nonsensical for God to lead you contrary to his word. It does not happen. And if you think that's so, you are wrong. If we'd study what we're doing, we go to get married, a man should pray earnestly, for he could ruin his entire life. Remember, the vow is until death do we part. And he could ruin his life by making the wrong choice. But if he knows he's making, listen, 
But if he knows he's making the wrong choice, let me tell you, by the time this is over, you're going you're gonna to realize how important this issue is to, to, to a prophet in this last day and how important this is to God. But if he knows he's making the wrong choice, marrying a woman that isn't fit to be his wife, she doesn't fit within the boundaries and the parameters there that God has laid out, and he does it anyhow, then it's his fault. If the woman takes a husband and he's not fit to be a husband to you, that's your own fault after you know what's right and wrong. That's pretty clear, isn't it? In other words, let me do it this way. God must go like this in heaven. God must say, I told you. Years... Years up the road when a, a girl comes and say, but you know, he, he, he was uh, involved with another woman or uh, God forbid, or, uh, you know, a man comes and says, my wife was unfaithful or whatever else, you know, and she's left the faith and gone, gone haywire. I, I, I tried to tell you, what more can I say? What more, who can I send? What, what, what ministry do you want to listen to? What more can I do? Can I go on? Wednesday night we dealt with the subject of vows. The Bible is very clear about vows. And God watches over our vows. And he never forgets those vows. So they're very important. As a matter of fact, if you stand here and get married in this church, that vow, that vow will follow you all the days of your life. Now the vow is a great thing. It is a wonderful thing because it gives a permanence to the relationship. Not like you and your boss, and not like you and your church, but it's even greater than that. It is the greatest form of unity that a husband and wife can have. Sexuality belongs with inside a covenant. Sexuality belongs with inside a vow. That's why pornography must be so grievous to God, because it causes people to do things that are outside the covenant. Remember, God made things, and we'll talk about this later on. But there are certain things that belong within the covenant. And when you do them within the covenant, there's no problem at all. There's no condemnation at all. But when you do things that are meant to be inside a covenant and take them outside the covenant, you've all of a sudden perverted God's plan. And that's why you can't have intimacy without commitment. You can't have sexuality without a vow. There are certain things that happen inside a vow. It, it's, listen, it's fascinating, and I, we, better, we better move on. Here are the three basic elementary guiding principles that every young person needs to know. If you're making notes, this is where you need to pull out your pen and write this down. Number one, you never marry an unbeliever. That's number one. It's very clear, but we're going to deal with it. And number two, there should be no physical contact until, until you get married. Number three, you've got to ask the question, and we need to deal with this one very carefully. Are you ready? Are you, are you really ready in that season of life to be able to take a wife and to be able to f- uh, father children and to be able to establish your house and say, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord? Are you ready for this? You may want to be ready, but that doesn't mean that you're ready. You may feel you're ready. Your parents might even have their back, a foot on your back pushing you out the door. But let me tell you, God is the one who controls the adoption process in your life. And he's the one who says, you're ready. And here's the person. Now the decision is in your hand. So we want to look at that carefully. But let's deal with the first one first. Because this is number one. This is kind of 101. Relationships 101. And this is something that we need to have very clear in our hearts. 
it, it's not unclear. But let's say it again. I'm going to assume you've never heard this before. Now, this paragraph here is my own after the scripture. The Bible says that be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers under the same uh, commitment with an unbeliever. For what fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness? <clears throat> the pro- I grew up in a home. I grew up in a, in a family where uh, mom became a believer and dad was an unbeliever. He was a Catholic. And uh, their priorities in life were very different about money, about lifestyle, about worship, about vacations, about uh, entertainment, everything, about television. Everything in life was affected by those two because they were uh, on different sides of the spectrum. And even though they're both good people, uh, it, 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 does, it doesn't work. And therefore, before any boy or girl, consider another as a life partner. You need to learn to qualify that experience of that person. Is this boy or is this girl a believer? That's the question that you need to ask. Do they have an interest in spiritual things? Are they coming to church only because their parents force them to come? Or are they coming only because of appearances? Are they coming only because I might find a virtuous woman or a virtuous man in the congregation? Don't tell me that doesn't happen. I know it happens, and I can name names uh, of people outside of our assembly here uh, who have had intentions on the virtuous young girls in the church and desired to come. Do they have an interest in spiritual things? Do they own a Bible? Are they only here because our church goes to good restaurants after church? Do they know who Brother Branham is? You may think that's funny, but I will tell you that there are people who have all kinds of motives, like people who come to the retreat. Everybody's not there at the winter youth retreat for the same reason. Just like everybody doesn't go to any kind of camp for the same reason. And their motives are not always pure. But we'll give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, in general, but I would say this, if you're going to marry somebody, you better watch closely. You better look dis- in a discerning way and study that person because that's what Brother Branham told us to do. All right. In case you're not clear about this subject, here we go. 1959, be certain of God. Brother Branham said, and then in Ahab's wedding, I think it's really neat that he'd talk about Ahab's wedding. Instead of marrying his own people, which were Jews, He went over and married a sinner, an idolater, a worshiper of idols. He married Jezebel, and she was not a believer. Here we go. And no believer should ever marry an unbeliever under no circumstances should always marry believers. If you believe that, say amen. Is anybody unclear about this? I mean, I don't know how much more clear you can make it. No believer should ever marry an unbeliever under no... Oh, but Brother Barry, you don't understand my family situation. Oh, oh, Brother Barry, you don't understand my son. Oh, well. Like Brother Branham said about his own son, Billy Paul, Billy Paul or no Billy Paul, the truth is the truth. Brother Branham was not afraid to call the shots as they were, even in his own family, as much as it hurt him. Somebody sent me the picture of the four gravestones of of, uh, Brother Branham's grandchildren uh, in the graveyard next to his tombstone uh, in Jeffersonville after Wednesday night. And I thank you, by the way, for the comments that were made about Wednesday night service. But he's very clear, he's very emphatic here that no believer should ever marry an unbeliever under no circumstances should always marry believers. Now, let me say this, that, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let's carry on here. Some of you young men, he says a little 
painted up Jezebel out there. You think she's cute. Brother Bram's in thirsting for life. And he deals with this subject here over several pages. And he says, a little painted up Jezebel out there and you think she's cute. She might look like that on the outside. You ought to catch her when her face is washed. You might not think so much about her. You got a girl that wears makeup. You ought to do a little backpedaling there and think about that again. Maybe a heart in her that's as black as the smutty walls of hell. There's a lot of very pretty girls out there that are on their way to the wrong place. Don't look at that. Look for something that's real and genuine. Let me say this. A guy's got to have real character to look beyond that. He does. He's got to have real character. He's got to have the Holy Ghost to look beyond the outside form and, and uh, you know, makeup of a, of a young girl. Hey, you know, like Brother Branham said, you take even the most average girl today and compare it to the uh, movie stars of, of uh, uh, gone, uh, 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 an era gone by, he said, these girls are way prettier today. And that was in the 60s. And so now, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that, uh, you know, these young girls are very pretty and very attractive. But he said, look for something that's real and genuine and see if that girl's born again. You're watching, you're studying, you're praying, and you're looking and saying, Lord, just let his, his experience, let her experience, let it shine out, let it shine forth here. Because we're not a person's judge, right? I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, you know, I'm not going to say to uh, somebody, yeah, he's got eternal life, but he sure don't. And he might, but he doesn't. I mean, that's not our job to do that. And we obviously don't know anyone's future, right? You just want to be led by the Spirit of God. You want to observe and you want to say, wow, uh, you know, based on what I know and what I can see and what I can understand and hearing in the conversations and uh, the actions and the demonstration of their life, uh, you know, you can look at that and make, make an evaluation. And you have to because once you make that decision of either asking or accepting, then those decisions are permanent ones. And see if that girl's born again. And if she isn't saved, then have nothing to do with her. If she isn't saved, then have nothing to do with her. And do the same thing by a young man. Now, hold on a second. That doesn't mean that we say, hey, you know what? My opinion, buddy, you're on the way to hell. And so, you know what? I'm washing my hands of this. See you later, Charlie. Happy, happy tribulation. That would be the wrong attitude to take. Because you know what? Everyone, everyone in this world, everyone ought to avoid tribulation. And if there's any saving in anybody, we should be praying that God would save that person and bring them into the, into the faith, into the light of the hour. Isn't that right? Let me tell you a little something about that. If a young man or a young woman, okay, either way, if a young man or a young woman is out in the world, and all of a sudden they're attracted to or come in contact with the message, come in contact with the truth and the light and the word and so forth. Isn't it true that we want them to come into the faith by making a clear-cut decision about Christ and not everything that goes with that decision? In other words, we don't want a guy to get involved with a girl here or a girl to get involved with a guy outside who would come in here and say, wow, you know what? If I join this church, number one, I've got a great group of people. And they have meals every now and then. And there's a lot of nice young girls here. So if I join this church, there are a lot of benefits just naturally being associated with this assembly. And you know what? The problem with that is that the edges become fuzzy. 
And we don't know whether that guy has ever had a real true experience with God or has he had just a rather an expression of a desire to be a part of a church and part of a family. You know what? It would be much better that that girl who knows that boy or that boy who knows that girl to back off completely and say, the only way that we could have a future is if you have an experience with God. Outside of you having a clear-cut experience with God, whether I'm in the picture or not, whether I'm around or not, whether I'm your future wife or husband or not, it doesn't matter. What matters first and primarily, because we're talking about the second most important decision, right? The first most important decision is your salvation. So I'm going to back out because I don't want my presence in your life or our relationship to be an influence of bringing you into this church I want you to have a standalone relationship and encounter with God so that you have a clear-cut decision and say, I'm born again. And wherever God leads me, doesn't matter. Christ is first. That's why I'm here. How many can say amen? Is that clear? That's what we want to have. So you can't bring a, uh, you can't bring a boy and a girl in the church who are, uh, you know, not, not grounded in the faith and have them sit together in the church and have them keep their mind on the word. They're all the time focused on if, you know, they can touch their elbows just a little bit or, you know, just, my, she's pretty. Let me tell you, human beings are human beings. Human beings are human beings. Let's not play games. Let's be real. And here's Brother Branham saying, look for something that's, say it, real and genuine. Come on, say it. Look for something that's, and See if that girl is. And if she isn't saved, have nothing to do with her. And do the same thing by a young man. Hey, I'm only saying what the tapes say. Can I go a little farther? Brother Bram describes how wolves hunt. When they hunt, they take one person out of the pack and they bring them aside and then they become a more vulnerable prey. He said there's a lesson. If he can catch a deer away from the herd, that's what the devil wants to do. So to you young ladies... He wants you to go out with a boy that's not a Christian. To you, young men, he wants you to go out with some little painted-faced Jezebel that's not a Christian. That's the one the wolf works on. People say, well, I can stay home and I can, uh, I can, uh, I can stay home and be just as good a Christian as I can at church. You can't. People will say they can, but they can't. I can handle going out with a worldly boy. You can't. I can handle going out with a worldly girl, you know, and we can, we can keep our distance and we can talk about the message and we can watch deep, call it the deep. Good luck. You can't. If you're a Christian, you go, uh, you long to go where other Christians are. You fellowship with other Christians. So you cannot stay away from the church and live the same life. You can't violate the principles of God and make them work in your life. Because we believe his word emphatically. Coming back to the original thought here. We believe his word emphatically. We either do or we don't. I said we either do or we don't. We either believe it or we don't. We practice it or we don't. We live it or we don't. One or the other. I, I, I've said this, I told you this story before, but it fits. When, my, uh, when my, my siblings and I were sitting around the kitchen table, I have two brothers who are in the message and the sister is not, and uh, we were sitting around the table and we were talking about my wedding coming up, and uh, we were discussing it. 
And uh, I made the comment just in passing. I said that I've never kissed uh, Becky, and uh, we will on the wedding day. My sister, who had a mouthful of soup, and she just, <laughs> just spit it out. And she said, are you for real? Are you really honestly saying you've never kissed Becky? And I said, no, I have not. And she said, what if you don't like the way she kisses? And then you're married to her. Like, how stupid is that? That's what she said to me. She was, she was uh, uh, flabbergasted that I would actually commit my life to somebody who I'd never kissed before. And this is when I turned to her and I said, listen, sis, and I say that loosely. I said, we either believe it or we don't. And I said, the, the, the scripture tells me and a message tells me that I have no right touching her until we're married. And I have no right to kiss her until I lift the veil over her face at the altar. That quote really moved me. Now, all right, let's, let's move on here because I want to get to it. Separation from unbelief. This uh, borderline believer, Brother Bram said, kindly had a mental conception of his theology and thought, well, there's a God, but maybe Baal is a God too and the others and so forth. And his wife kindly got mixed up into that. This is Ahab again. Well, there is a God, but maybe Baal is a God too. And the others and so forth. These are the prophets of Baal who met Elijah up on top of Mount Carmel. And here's what Ahab is saying. He's the king of Israel. And he's, he's got a mental conception of theology. He's got a mental conception of the truth. He said, you know, boys, you young ladies, I'm telling you tonight, be careful who you marry. You'll have a broken home the first thing you know. And it's not good to sinners and Christians to marry together. Don't be unequally yoked together because that's what got Ahab. Are we clear? She was pretty little. She was pretty little thing. Paint all over her face, eyes like a lizard. That's truth. Ahab fell for her because she was perhaps pretty. He couldn't have fallen for her character because she was a murderer. He didn't look real far. He didn't dig real deep. He didn't probe real far. But she was everything else. And Ahab fell for her because she was pretty. And then he got himself infatuated with her, and then she just ruled him with her finger. Now, let me tell you something. There's a difference between infatuation and the will of God. The will of God is a lot more straight, practical, black and white. Infatuation is filled with fuzzy feelings and all kinds of giggling. Elizabeth Elliot one time was asked, she wrote Passion and Purity, was the husband of Jim Elliot. She was asked one time by a girl in an audience what to do to get a guy's attention. She said, nothing. Direct your energies to obedience, not how to nail this guy. God has his own methods of getting the two of you together, <clears throat> and he doesn't need any help or advice from you. Let me say it again. Do nothing, but direct your energies to obedience, not how to nail this guy. God has his own methods of getting the two of you together, and he doesn't need any help or advice from you. So Brother Bram's talking to a family, and they had, uh, he, he, was, you know, he was saying that there was a survey that was done in Ohio about church attendance and so forth. And Brother Bram describes this survey, and you can go back and look at it. And one of the questions that was asked was, why do you go to church? And Brother Bram said, well, people answered, well, mother took us when we was a kid. We just kept on going. And another percent said, well, they go to meet their neighbors. They go to see everybody. He said, that's alarming. But you know what? That still happens. And any woman that's going to marry a man, that's what he applies it to, any woman that's going to marry a man, she's not certain of that man, she better stay friends with him on social media. 
Now, any man that's going to marry, any woman's going to marry a man, she's not certain of that man, certain of his experience, certain of the quality of his experience with God. She better leave him alone. It may even be the will of God for the future, but not now. And any man that's going to marry a woman and not certain, you better leave her alone. You better pray through on it until God gives you the answer. Stop. God's answer is not going to be contrary to his word. And then what God joins together, let no man put asunder. When God joins it together, it's got a permanence about it. And what agreement? Give me a minute here. We're still on point number one. Never marry an unbeliever. Is anybody unclear? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, I need to just analyze this for a moment here. And this is the word agreement there. Watch what it means in the Bible, in, in the Greek language. It means a putting together like a joint deposit. My wife and I have a couple of uh, checking accounts, and her name, my name's on them, and we, we make a deposit. Well, when one deposit goes in, it's equally applied to both. It's accessible to both of us. It is not her money. It's our money. It's not my money. It's our money. A joint deposit means that it, it is something that is blended together. Approval of like things coming together and to construct by building out of several things to build a whole like the human body. So all the parts that go together into making your body, they have to agree together to work and function as a human body. Right? So therefore, you know, we're, we're not going uh, to make a brain and put peanuts inside of it. Hence the phrase peanut brain that Brother Branham used. Because peanuts don't go together with brain matter. They're not brain matter, so they don't belong. So peanuts and brains don't agree. Are we, all, are we okay? All right, now watch now. As we look at this, then, we find this concept of this idea. Now, therefore, Paul writes, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being himself the, the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together. Fiddly framed together means that we're going to put pieces in the construction of the building that belong there. That contribute to the, uh, the growth and the stability of that building. And groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. God is actually building a corporate body called the Bride of Christ through the ages. That will endure and be crowned at the very end. But God is also building you, right? The inner man, the spiritual man, and putting things together that belong there. He's not going to add unbelief in there. He's not going to add marriage to an unbelieving person in there. He's not going to add sickness into that because those things are going to take away. They don't agree. They don't belong. And so if, if somebody says, well, I got a spirit of pride, that never came from God because God doesn't add that in there. Don't try to play games with God and go contrary to his word. All right, let's look back now in the Old Testament now for the principle. Here's this, this is really great. Remember now, stop for a minute. Remember now, the Israelites are in captivity because of disobedience, right? God wanted them to learn a lesson over 70 years. And they were there because somebody violated the principles of the Sabbath. And God remembered that, judged them, took them off into captivity. The remnant comes back under Ezra and Nehemiah. When they're back there, the idea is... Seventy years ought to have taught you a lesson. 
70 years means that if you violate God's word, there's a penalty for it, right? God is a righteous judge. Stay with me now. And he says in Ezra 9, when these things were done, you know, Ezra establishing the temple and the worship, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites, the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites, this is not Babylonians, this is not the worldly people who occupied Israel for the last 70 years. This is the people who should know better. Have not separated themselves from the people of the land. Doing according to their abomination, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. Here's what they did. Because this is common in the world. You take a, you take a girl of any culture, take a girl of any color, take a boy of any color or any culture, marry them, doesn't matter. And nobody say anything either. Because everybody's got their rights. And that's not what God ordained. I said it's not what God ordained. But here, here they are coming to Ezra and they say, here's what they've done. They've taken of their, of their daughters for themselves and for their sons so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of the land. That's the concern. And that's a great concern. Because you have believers, people who ought to know better, mingling their sons and daughters with the people of the land. You know what? You've got two things that are not in agreement. You've got two things that don't blend. They're not fitly framed together. Are you okay? Hey, I'll quit if, if you want me to quit. Stay with me though, okay? All right, because this is important. He says, the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of these lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this process. In this trespass. And when I heard this, here's Ezra's reaction. I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard. And I sat down astonished. What have we learned? What has 70 years taught us? What is it that we don't get here? If God's word says a certain thing, God's watching over that word. There's a consequence for disobedience. And now, the people of Israel, the priests, and the Levites, and the chief rulers and princes have been leading this trespass. Ezra's got this, don't ask me to do it, pulls out the hair of his head, pulls out his beard, and he sits down astonished. What more can I say? What more can God do? What, how much more plain can we make it? Is there something we're not getting here? Is there something we're missing here? Because what you're doing is only inviting the judgment of God down on our heads again. Every Orthodox believer, Brother Branham says, knows the Gentile reign begin with King Nebuchadnezzar, head of gold, and how then in the last days, he said when they break up in these many different kingdoms to the toes, there was iron and clay. Remember the, the vision that Daniel had right, with all the kingdoms? It comes down to the bottom and there's iron and clay. And it means, the prophet said, he's, Brother Branham's referring to Daniel here, it means as much as thou did see iron and clay, 
won't mix together. Neither will one cleave to the other. So, aha, we the end of the, at the end of the ages, the, the world powers in place in the world are not going to be in agreement. It's not going to be one power overriding everyone and forcing everyone together. There's going to be powers that do not coexist. They're going to be at enmity with one another. But they'll mingle them seeds. In other words, they'll marry into them trying to raise their children and break powers like that. And I will tell you what, that's where the influence of the Catholic Church becomes very strong because it'll try to marry into it'll try to marry into a group of people they're not supposed to marry into. And the whole thing is designed to weaken and to break the powers. And he said, you know that's true. But a hole it's got, and you people knock down to it and say, like, 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 like. See a girl in a wedding dress or a boy in a wedding, you know, in a wedding, at a wedding, and he's marrying to an unbelieving girl, and we like it, 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 on social media, and like it, like it, like it, like it, like it. Like it, like it, like it, like it, like it, like it, like it. And somebody's feeling, ha, I got 2,472 likes. It must be the will of God. I don't care how many likes you get. I really don't. Because likes don't make it right. Your obedience to God's word is what makes it right. I, I, I'm not trying to be hard. I, I, let me tell you something. My job is to give you the whole counsel of God and to look after the flock. And, and that's, a, that's really what I'm trying to do. Because we're commissioned nowhere, nowhere at all to line up with the world. We're commissioned to stay in line with the things of God. And that's what I'm telling you here today, folks. And I'm doing it only because I love you and I care for you and I'm concerned about where things are going. Here's David again, Psalm 106. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them. When Israel went in and put people out of the promised land, remember? And God said, you know, destroy the, uh, the cattle and the people and all, all the rest of those other nations there. And they did not destroy the nations concerning the, whom the Lord commanded them, but they were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. Unless there's a definitive line between yourself and the, the believer and, and the community of believers and the body of Christ, let me tell you, there's a mingling going to happen. And they learn their works. They serve their idols, which are a snare unto them. They sacrifice their sons and daughters unto them. And so on. All the way down through, he, des- he describes it. This is, this is I'm, I'm just showing, I want to show you how God looks at this. And, and you know, in the world now, you take, uh, you know, cultures and you take people and uh, two men mingle, you know, put them together. Or two women put them together. They take, you know, believer, unbeliever, put them together. People of different race, different color, put them together. It's not meant to be together. To mingle is a sexual term. And when it's used in Scripture, it refers to this. It means to exchange pledges like vows. It means to fellowship with. It's a perversion in terms of sexual sin. All I'm doing is reading you the Hebrew definition. You can click on it yourself. And to fail to distinguish between, aha, maybe I shouldn't mix with that. Maybe I shouldn't encourage my kids to mix with that. Or maybe as a pastor I should have preached on that. It's a failure to distinguish. And so you associate by mistake. You associate in error. And that mingling is something that God doesn't like. That's what God made men, men. God made women, women. He made the gender separate. Doesn't want them to blend, right? Doesn't want there to be confusion. 
right? Believers, and, and you know, we're called out. We're called to be separate. So, hey, uh, we, should, we should remain separate. Somebody wants to come in, hey, they, they, obviously someone can come to the cross. And I believe there's still mercy, and I think it's a wonderful thing when somebody come to salvation. We'd do everything we could to assist somebody coming to salvation. But not to come and get, you know, get, uh, get baptism, a girl, dinners, place on the fall festival committee, all the rest of it here just to be a good church member. It's not our commission. Not the commission at all. This woman came to Brother Branham, and she was all mixed up, and she had come to a place maybe she was, uh, she had maybe one time been in contact with God, but had been lusting after the things of the world. And I asked her, I said, have you received the Holy Ghost? And she said, not yet, but I'm seeking it. He said, you get the Holy Ghost first, and he'll tell you what husband to have. Because she, she was trying to rework marriage and divorce so that it fit her situation, and, and, and this is, this is going to be okay, this is going to work. And he says, he says, no, you get the Holy Ghost. He said, he'll tell you. He'll guide you and lead you because that's his promise. I hope no one's unclear about marrying an unbeliever. I mean, to me, it's, I'm, I'm being redundant. I'm being repetitive, and I realize that. But I don't want you to walk away unclear about what the Bible says and about what a prophet says and, and what, how I feel about it and so forth because I'm the guy who's going to stand here and pronounce uh, you know, a blessing over your marriage. And I will only do it if it's done according to the word because that's my job. But more importantly, it matters what God says and it matters what, 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 the, what the scriptures say, what, what the prophet says in this last day. I hope you're all right with that. All right, let's, let's just very briefly, I'm not going to finish this obviously, but let's, let's just wade into this very briefly and then we'll quit here. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. The word touch here, and Paul obviously links this to a problem with touch in the next verse. He says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication. All right, so nevertheless ties you back to the previous sentence. If fornication is going to be a problem, then let's avoid that. Let's avoid that by dealing with this. So you go back and you click on the word touch or go look it up in any kind of dictionary and find out what what Paul was actually referring to. It means touch that is meant to handle with intent, to inspire another touch. And it means that, uh, and, and this would be entirely appropriate in marriage. Where there's a covenant, where there's a vow, the intent to touch and to handle with the intent of continuing to touch is entirely appropriate inside marriage, right? You adults know what I'm talking about. Because one thing leads to another, perfectly appropriate within marriage. It is, it is a good thing within marriage. But outside of the covenant, it's forbidden. Because our bodies are made like cars without brakes. Our bodies are made like cars without brakes. A car without brakes is fine as long as it's on the flat. If you're on the flat, there's no problem. But you know what? You get on an incline, even in a little one, and you have no brakes, and it gets rolling, (laughs) you get a problem. Pretty soon you get a problem, right? Your body is made like a car without any brakes. And you're better off not getting it rolling than getting it rolling and then trying to find a place to stop. Because that's real hard. Touch is 
the problem. And Paul says, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. I've had people debate me on this subject. And if you want to debate me on this subject, I'm all for it. I mean, I got, I, I, uh, this is something I've studied very thoroughly. And, I, and not, that I, not that you're in a fighting mode. I, I, not at all. But <laughs> just to say this, that if you want to discuss this subject, I mean, there's, there's lots of the basis for this whole idea of giving the people in 1 Corinthians 7, which deals with relationships of men and women, this, this admonition right up front, that if you're not married, then you know what? It's best for you not to touch a girl at all. Play volleyball. Put the girls on one side and the boys on the other side. and Don't play tackle football. Play volleyball. Message volleyball, right? It's one of the safest things in the world. Because nevertheless comes in verse 2, to avoid fornication, and this is what we want to avoid by young people, not married, right? If they're married, it's adultery. Everybody with me? But we're talking about fornication here, which has to be committed by unmarried people. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. The right way, in other words, the right way to do this is to get married, have a covenant or a vow between you, and then you can touch within that. God's not going to condemn that. But when you do it outside of the covenant, outside of the vow, God's going to judge that. Touch means touch. There's no minimum requirement or maximum requirement. There's no boundary line that's given by God. Touch means touch. It's a touch with an intent to inspire another touch. All right, so this is the quote that really spoke to my heart. And when I first met my wife, and I, I just I came across this as I was researching. And Brother Branham's out. He's, he's in Ohio. He goes to a place at night. He wanted to get something to eat. And he said the boys and girls were hugging and kissing like I don't know what. And he's, then he says this. You know, my sister, little sister, that's potentially an adultery. And when a man kisses you, he's potentially committed adultery with you. You should never let him kiss you until you're married. And when male and female glands come together, let it be where it may, you have potentially committed adultery. And this is the line that got me. Well, you shouldn't let a boy kiss you until that veil is raised on your face and you're his wife. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's committing adultery. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't start. Don't, don't go there. Don't, don't. Just stay away from it. <clears throat> And that really spoke to me because I thought, I want to be able to go to the altar and be able to fulfill this. I wanted to be able to, to be able to be honorable and fulfill this. And, and here's a 20th century prophet observing 20th century culture and warning 20th century bride that there's a boundary here. And 1 Corinthians 7.1 is one of those markers on the boundary. And it's an ancient landmark. Leave it alone. Leave it there. So don't, don't get into this thing at all here. Don't, don't do it at all. And besides the fact that God sees it, right? Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can a man hide, can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? It's not that God's trying to hide and spy you out and condemn you, but to me, we're, we do everything in the sight of God, right? We do everything in the eyes of God. And he says, I fill the heaven and the earth. Now, again, COD, they're asking him questions here. He says, and this is the question where they're saying, well, should we greet each other with a holy kiss? Well, immediately when that came up in Branham Tabernacle, 
you know, the question arose then, is it all right for me to go and wrap my arms around a young sister and give her a kiss and say, well, I'm just fulfilling Scripture? And that happened in Branham Tabernacle. And it was a group of people who felt like they could take the liberty to do this because the Bible said greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, let me tell you something. Scripture doesn't fight Scripture, all right? Lots of people can find lots of reasons for doing things that, uh, you know what I'm saying. And here's Brother Branham now, and he says, and you can read the whole thing, but he says, you keep away from there. If she's young and single, whatever she is, she'll be somebody's wife someday, and you haven't got no business doing that. Stay away from her. Stay away from her. If you want to greet her, then be a son of God and shake her hand and say, how do you do, sister? And let that settle it right there. Stay away from those things. It's filth. And as soon as you, it'll soon get into trouble. Sin is so easy. It's pleasant. It's appetizing. So easy to fall into it. And the best thing to do is avoid the very appearance of it. Stay away from it. Get back. Be a real Christian. And remember, your body is made like a car without brakes. It's better off not getting it started. Don't get it rolling. And then try to find a place to stop. I went to Brother Branham's daughter before. And I went to the family And I wanted to know what Brother Branham said to his children about this whole issue and touch and so forth. And Brother Branham was very plain. He was very simple in how he said it. And he said for a girl, he said if she's going to go with a boy, he should be a believer and he should live clean. That's what he said to them. And he said there should be no no physical contact. He said, and this is is the way he said it, and they told me this is the way he said it. It's not on tape here, but it's the way he, he told the girls. He said, maybe... A simple handshake after church, maybe. Maybe. Noah, come on up here a second. I got a bad foot, so I can't go down there. Otherwise, I'd be there. So a simple handshake after church is not like this. God bless you, sister. Good to have you here today. It's a, it's, you know what? Church would never have been the same without you today. It's just a blessing to have you here. You know, all of our young people's group and everything else is really better off because you're, you're here today. May God bless you. I loved your singing. I was sitting in front of you today, and I, I, was, I, I loved your singing. I loved how it sounded, and it sounded like a, a pretty as an angel. And God bless you. Because Brother Bram said that's the best thing we can say to one another is God bless you. And, you know, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's not a simple handshake. So Brother Bram said, stay away from it. Don't play games with it. Because he said it'll lead to things. I could ask you the question again. How, how many of you have come from a family, come from mother and father? How many of you have you know, been born? All of you would say yes. This is, this is a, 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 a road that everyone travels. This is a path everyone goes. Everyone goes down. And therefore, if that's the case, Satan knows that at that bottleneck, that's where he should lay his best traps. That's where he should put influences in there that are going to get people messed up when they come through that that particular part of life. It's not something that we should fear. The Bible says in our text there that whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing. But along that pathway, because God knows every one of us will travel it, He put clear markers that he wanted us to stay within. And he didn't ask us to, you know, give it your best shot, make your best judgment. He didn't do that. 
He didn't say, you know, however you feel about He didn't do that. He said, this is the way it is. And for our, for our young people, I'm, I'm not done yet. Now we need to talk about, you know, just this whole thing of readiness. And I want to deal with that uh, a little bit later because we've run out of time here. But just to say this, that in every way, in every way, I wanted, in my own experience, I wanted the blessing of God upon what I did in relation to our future and our marriage and so forth. And I, I wanted to do things in a way that kept the Holy Spirit on my team, on my side. I wanted to have the blessing. And, and, and I wanted to be able to live in a glass house when it came to this, to be able to enjoy time with parents and other church members and, you know, to be able to be happy and proud of, of this uh, direction that God has taken us in. And when the blessing of God is on it, let me tell you, you're not ashamed of it at all. When the blessing of God is on a relationship, you're not afraid to show your girl off to the world and be proud of where God has taken you. It's a, wonder, it's a wonderful thing. It's, to me, it's a little bit of heaven on earth. Satan works overtime to try to mess it up. And I know all of our situations here in the church are not all the same. And there's lots of stories and lots of, lots of different things that have happened. I understand that. I know that. But my job, my job, again, is to give you the whole counsel of God because if I could, I would love to save even one person from making a mistake that they'll regret for the rest of their days on this earth. And I know people have done different things and so forth, but I, I just don't have the liberty to preach all the, all the exceptions and, and approve and disapprove of this and that. I'm just here to tell you that this is what the Word says and that's what I want to share with you and make it clear to you. The best thing you can do is live in a way that God can always bless. God can always visit. God can always attend. God can always watch over and not be grieved by things that we do. And to me, that would be the best way to live. I need to tell you, too, that in, in, in researching and, and talking about things like this and studying things like this, I've talked to other ministers and other pastors because I, I, I just wanted to be sure I wasn't missing something and I wasn't outside the boundary or old-fashioned or something else, you know, some, something, uh, thinking something wacky, something outdated. And what I found was not to my joy, but what I found is that this is not a phenomenon that's just confined to, uh, you know, any one particular church or any one particular area. It's... it's we live in an age where the pull of the world is so strong. The pull of the music is so strong. The pull of the atmosphere in Hollywood is so strong. It's influencing a generation. And I, I would just say this, that uh, I, I think it's important that we preach truth and, and preach it without any reservation and preach it in a way that everyone can understand it. And then we can go out and apply it and teach it to our children, teach it to our grandchildren. And, and realize these are not just rules and regulations to take the joy out of your life, but these, this is God's way of protecting you and saying, I love you. And I left you here in a very filthy world to prove that you can be an overcomer in this world. And you can take your feelings and emotions and, and, and let the word override that. You can let the word uh, take, have the victory over how I feel and what I want and what I desire, what I really want. And, and the, the feeling of, uh, you know, just being so delighted that somebody loves me and, and uh, you know, be so happy that somebody wants me. And yet, 
yet I'm going to let the word override that feeling and stay true to God because he's first. I'm talking about the second and most important decision here, not the first. The first one is my pledge to God. They asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. That's number one, right? And if we get that right, everything else is going to be affected by that. But that's got to be number one. That's got to be right. And, and I will tell you, it, 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 to me, it's a real expression of godly character when someone will take their feelings, even their most intimate, personal feelings and desires, and lay them aside and say, I'm going to take the thought of God. I'm going to take the word of God. I'm going to take the expression of God and make that the primary thing in my life. God will honor that. God will bless that. God will, I, I think, God will bless a, a young person who will make a stand like that. God will bless an older person that will make a stand like that. Let me leave you with a last statement. Brother Branham says now, the king of Israel was Ahab's son who had succeeded his father and married out of the Jewish people. Just like today when a Christian boy marries a sinner girl or sinner girl a Christian boy. Don't you get married unless you're equally yoked together with believers to keep trouble down. And when God made men and women in the beginning, he made their spirits then. There's someone for you. Just wait. Someone for everyone. Just wait. Let's stand to our feet. I'm just saying what he said. There's someone for you. God knows his will. God knows his plans. He said, I, I've made plans for you. He said, just wait. Wait on God. Wait on him. Be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by things that are certain. Get your eye off how things are done out here and how other people might do things. Someone for you. Just wait. May God have mercy on us all. May God help us, uh, you know, as, uh, as an assembly to just be praying that God would deal with our with our young people and encourage them to hold a standard and do things that are right. And I think that's a, that's a, a real noble thing for us as an assembly to do. Because God wants to bless us more than even we wanted ourselves. Sure does. Sure does. What are we playing? I surrender all. Let's sing it this morning. Let's just worship him now for a little bit. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessing.
forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. Oh, I surrender all. Yes, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Number four, sing that. Sing this now. All to Jesus, I surrender. Lord, I give myself to you. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessing. think an attitude, you know, when you when you come to God with an attitude of, Lord, I, I just I want to surrender this part of my life to you. I don't know what the future holds. I, I'd love to be able to do this or that, but I, I'm going to surrender this to you. That's a better attitude than saying, I'm going to do this my way. It doesn't matter what anybody says. Let me tell you, God can deal with the first attitude a whole lot better. And I believe that's a good example for us. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. Lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. And you are my.
nothing else can take your place to feel the warmth of your embrace help me find the way Lord bring me back again now. Thank you, Jesus.
give myself Yes, we are standing. 
to give up in despair. But breathe his name, he will surely Father, we thank you, Lord, for the absolute word of God that's given to us so that we're not guided by our feelings and we're not bounced around by our feelings and we're not guided by emotion and we're not guided by the crowd. But we have a word that's sure. The word never changes. And Lord, we thank you for that. Bless our young people, I pray, Lord, and They face the challenge of being a godly young person in a very ungodly world. And I pray that you would give them strength, Lord. And I pray that you give them wisdom. I pray, dear God, that you'd help them, Lord, to maintain a spirit of purity in their lives. And Lord, even though it may be very unpopular, but Lord, if it's according to your word, then we know that you would honor that and bless that. And I just commit them into your hands, Lord. Their challenges are great. And Lord, for the families that are raising these young people, I just ask that you would give them wisdom. Lord, just help them, I pray, to say the right thing at the right time. Be able to encourage each one, Lord. Father, you left us here in this late hour, and I believe there's a reason for it. I just ask, oh God, that you would empower each one, that we might be overcomers of this age. Because, Lord, with you, all things are possible. Minister, Lord, I pray to your people. Heal those that are sick and need your touch. We think of brother and sister male today, Lord, and ask, oh God, that you would just be gracious to them. Be strong, I pray, and just help them, Lord, to be back on their feet again. Lord, we think of brother Danny recovering this morning and ask, oh God, that you would be mindful of his need as well. And Lord, the many other requests that have been given today, we commit them to you and pray that Lord, you would just draw close to each one. We love you. We thank you. We appreciate you for your word and for the the ancient landmarks that have been laid down for us. We can know exactly which way we should walk. Father, have your way now, we pray. In Jesus' lovely name and for your glory, we ask these things. Amen. And amen. Sing as you go this morning, in my life, Lord, be glorified. Sing it as you go, and may God bless you. Shake hands with one another, and may the Lord bless you this afternoon.
Glorified. 